All right, you made it. We're here. All the Christmas hecticness, it's done, it's over. Gifts are bought by now. They sure better be bought by now. Uh, You've hopefully had a time of peace and relaxation this morning. Uh, Quick poll out of curiosity, who here has already opened presents this morning? Okay, that's looking like about, about half. Okay, how many of you are still waiting to open presents this morning? All right, I will keep it short, I promise. I'm not going to hold you off from your, from your Christmas presents. Um, as we get into this concept of gift giving, that's what I want to talk about this morning is this gifts and how they work and, and what they mean for us. Uh, and so just to keep the interactive informality going, uh, I want to start out by asking you two questions and I want you to think about them and share them with someone near you, maybe that friend you just made during the giving moment. Uh, and here are the two questions. What's the best gift you've ever gotten, either on Christmas or just any time? Uh, And then secondly, what's the favorite gift that you've ever given to someone else? All right, so best gift you've ever gotten uh, at any point and best gift, the one you've appreciated giving to someone else the most. Go, take a couple minutes. All right, we got some good ones, hopefully. And, and hopefully, at the very least, it brought maybe a smile to your face and a, and a warmth to your heart to remember these moments of both receiving and giving. Uh, and I think it's important, I'm going to come back to that in a little bit, but I think it's important for us to think about um, this gift concept on a Christmas morning. Uh, if you've been here at all in the last three days, then you've been hearing from the first chapter of the Gospel of John where John describes the Christmas story in terms of light in the darkness. Uh, and, uh, and if you've missed any of those, uh, and, and I encourage you to go on the computer and stream them because there are some amazing services and some really thoughtful songs and words to think about this light in the darkness concept. But this morning, I want to go to the end of the chapter. You see, John starts by talking about light in the darkness, that Jesus Christ came into the world and the darkness could not extinguish the light of Christ born in a manger. But then he goes on uh, and finishes out his um, version of the Christmas story this way. 
He says, the word, Jesus Christ, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He was born in a manger. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. I want to just say that line again. We have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God except for the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is our text this morning. And there are a few things I want to spend the next 10 minutes or so unpacking and just thinking about and processing with you. And the first is this gift that we have received from God that John describes it this way, that we've received grace upon grace already given. And it's an odd phrasing. Uh, it's, it's something that people have struggled to even figure out what that means. You know, was there a previous grace and then there was an extra grace? But I, I think the clearest understanding of it is John's trying to explain to us this is the, the most amazing gift that's been given on top of other gifts. That God is so generous, so giving, uh, that, that he just keeps pouring out gifts upon us unmerited and unearned. And that sounds really nice, but I, I suspect that we really struggle to understand how nice it truly is. I know I certainly do. Because the reality is we very likely don't know what true gift giving is. Uh, we talk about phrases like there's no such thing as a free lunch and, and even gifts have requirements or come with caveats or expectations. Uh, I don't know about your tradition, but uh, every Christmas morning, the first thing was that we would get gifts, and then the second thing was that I would then have to write thank you cards for all those gifts, or else Aunt Susie wasn't going to give me a present next year, right? And so this thing that, yeah, it was free, I didn't have to buy it, but it came with obligations, uh, I was talking with uh, one of our one of my coworkers uh, who's in seminary right now, and, and he was talking about how in ancient cultures, gift giving was understood to come with obligations. So that you didn't just give a gift um, freely for, for no reason, but that the gift meant that you were you were telling this person that you were hoping to have a relationship of mutual beneficial beneficiality with them. And so the gift was saying, "I want to be in partnership and connection with you," and then it came with. Attached expectations that the person would then respond in kind in, in different ways. Uh, or I've even seen Old Testament scholars, again, these are people who love God, they love Jesus, they love the Bible, and they get to this language of grace upon grace. They, they talk about the gift of Jesus Christ, and then, they, and then they immediately say, but you still gotta live right. Yeah, God, God saves you freely, but there are still consequences and expectations of what a holy life is. And, and so even scholars and, and people who love God, they can't look at this gift of God without putting on the blinders, that's, the blinders that say, there's strings attached. Like, yes, it's a free gift, but then you've immediately got to love God and love your neighbor. And if you don't do those things, then the gift is no longer for you. 
And on the one hand, I think that's appealing language because it points out that there are expectations that God does have standards for life and that there is a right way to live and it's comforting to know that there are rules to follow. I think we actually all secretly like rules, at least the ones that are easy for us to obey. But it also immediately negates the gift. Because I think in human terms, none of us have ever truly received a gift that was actually a gift. It either came with expectations, it came with the need for a thank you, it came with now having to uh, be in um, some sort of a reciprocating relationship. Oh, they got me something for my birthday, now I have to get them something for their birthday, which means now I have to remember their birthday, and suddenly the gift is, so, is burdened with all these other things. Which means that when God then tries to give us a gift, we receive it in human terms. And we say, okay, that's great. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for this beautiful Christmas story. Now what's the catch? And maybe it's not even a bad catch. Maybe it's just, all right, God, how do you want me to live? Okay, I'll I'll check the list. But what would it look like to actually just receive from God grace upon grace already given? To understand the gift of Christ not as something that now obligates us, but is God's way of just lavishing on us the fullness of his love. It's weird. I mean, it it even, it it feels wrong uh, and unethical for me to even say this, to say that, that God's not up there in heaven wanting you to pay him back for his gift of Jesus. To think that God's not saying, all right, I gave you this thing. Now start living right, people. And, And hear me, it's good for us to live right. It's good for us to follow the rules of God, mostly, I think, because God gave us those rules for our benefit and that when we follow his rules, we see that there are um, blessings in our life. But we have to separate them out. That it's not, yes, I give you Jesus, now obey my commands. It's, yes, I gave you Jesus, full stop. And that the world places demands on us, our family places demands on us, our workplace places demands on us. Every institution and relationship we've ever experienced places demands on us. And so we don't even know how it could look or feel different. I don't honestly know how it could look or feel different. I'm still burdened and motivated by guilt and shame most of the time. But then I read John 1. And I try to truly understand this Christmas story and why we keep reading it year in and year out for 2,000 plus years. And I think there's got to be something in this moment that this is the one thing that's ever been in human history that wasn't transactional. It's the one gift that's ever been given that doesn't come with strings attached. And maybe, yes, down the line, there are going to be opportunities for us to live in certain ways, but those have nothing to do with the gift that we receive this morning. The gift this morning is God simply saying, I love you so much, I'm willing to give you the most valuable thing to me. And to just receive that. And so now I want you to think back on the best gift that you ever gave. And I want you to think about that moment because what I suspect is that 
in that moment, there was nothing in you that was looking for a certain response from the person that you gave it to. The, the best gift you ever gave was something where you put so much thought into it and care and you were so excited to share it with this person that you loved that your thoughts were completely consumed only by how delighted you were to give it to them. And I suspect that there was nothing in you at that moment that said, and they better give me a thank you note. And yeah, maybe a couple of days later, or a week later, you might have been thinking, hey, wait a minute. They never gave me a note back or they never responded or they never let me know. Like, like those things creep in because we're all human and we're all transactional. But just in that moment of giving, there was nothing but joy and delight and the inability to wait to see how this person received your gift. And I think that is the closest that I've been able to get to thinking about how this Christmas story looked from God's side. That as hard as it is for me to say, to think that there's not actually strings attached, there's not a way God's telling me that I now need to live to pay him back for the gift, the closest I can get is to think that in that moment, God, just like we are when we give good gifts, was filled with nothing but the desire to bless us with the most valuable thing that he had. And the reason for that is because you're the most valuable thing that he could think of. Just as valuable as his own son. And you and you alone are all that God ever needed or wanted or desired back from this gift that he gave us 2,000 years ago. So whatever gifts you may have already gotten or are about to get this morning, whatever cares and burdens are going to immediately resume themselves as you go into family time or back to work, I encourage you to pause, to breathe, and to just try to dwell on this truth that God needs nothing from you. Just like Mariah Carey, all he wants is you and you alone. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord God, we give you thanks that in this season of gift giving, we are able to reflect on this gift you gave us. And just as importantly, Lord, to reflect on the why you gave us. And so Lord, I ask now that your Holy Spirit would flood the hearts of every man, woman, and child here this morning. Help them to feel deep in their bones and in their heart that you want nothing from them. You need nothing from them. You don't need acts of service. You don't need righteous living. You don't need payback for the greatest gift that's ever been given. You simply want us. Lord, I pray that that would remove the burdens of guilt and shame and anxiety. All the ways that we have to live up to everything else in this world, but we don't have to live up to you. Lord, let that truth ring powerfully in our hearts. Amen.